Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Last weekend, I tried teaching my six-year-old granddaughter how to dive. And I don't know if you've ever tried to teach you know, a six-year-old how to dive, because it kind of goes like this. Stand, put your hands over your head, lean over, and then what they do is they jump and do a belly flop, and then they're scarred for life, okay? So I actually, I took some tips from that How to Dad book I read from you last week, um, and they actually said, and I remember doing this as a kid. They got down with one knee right to the edge of the pool, uh, the other foot like right on, the toes kind of hanging over there, put the hand over the head, and then just you know, roll right in. And she would get right to that point, and, and then she'd pull back. And she just said, no, no, you could do this, you could do this. I got right up to the end, you get right to that tipping point, and then, uh, I'm not going to do it. And so then I tried like three or four times. She's just not quite there yet, so I didn't want to push her too far. But it, it made me think about this, because this series that we started last week, um, what Jesus said about that. Today we're going to be talking about a very important thing, and I think it, it describes every one of us when it comes to this idea of faith, and what Jesus said about faith. Because so often we get right to that tipping point, and we're, I'm going to do it, I'm going to take that step, I'm gonna, and then we pull back. And we miss out on so much. So today, continuing this series, we're going to take a look at what Jesus said about faith. Now, if you read through the Gospels, mostly what Jesus said about faith to his disciples was, Oh, you of little faith. <laughs> that's mostly, that's, that's probably the one sentence that comes up more than any other time. Um, which indicates there are degrees of faith. There's one occasion in Mark's gospel where a very desperate father whose son is demon-possessed comes to Jesus and says, Lord, if you can do anything, would you heal my son? And Jesus said to him, if I can, anything is possible to those who believe. And the man said, Lord, I believe help my unbelief. And that's a real interesting thing because sometimes I think we think about faith as an all or nothing thing. It's like you either have it or you don't. It's 100% or nothing at all. And, 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 and what Jesus did was he's, that was enough for him. He healed that man's son. And what it indicates to me is even 51% faith is faith enough for God. There's another occasion where the disciples come to Jesus and said, Lord, increase our faith. It's found in Luke chapter 17, verse 5. He says, um, verse 6, he replied, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. On another occasion, he said, if you have the faith as a seed of, as a grain of a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, be removed into the sea, and it will be moved. So what indicates to me is it's really not the degree or the size of your faith because the man who had the unbelief, that little faith, Jesus said, even if it's as small as a little tiny mustard seed, you can do incredible things, which indicates that faith is not so much about the size of your faith or the size of my faith. It's really about the size of our God in whom we put our faith. And when he used the example of a mustard seed, I think there's something else there, because he actually told the parable about this, that it means that faith has its degrees, but faith can grow. Your faith can grow. And most of what you see, and it's not so much what Jesus taught by what he said, but it's how he experienced it with his disciples and how he taught them from their experiences. And so today we're going to see what Jesus said about faith, not so much his words about it, but how he engaged the disciples in it and how it grows in our life. 
And it's what he taught us and what he said about faith by the actions. And we're going to look at probably his star pupil, um, who probably experienced the greatest step of faith that anyone could ever think of, walking on water. And it's Peter's, um, Peter's experience, and it's found in Matthew chapter 14. If you want to turn there, that's where we're going to start. And let me give you kind of the setup. So Jesus had already given them an opportunity to experience faith. This happens right on the heels of the feeding of the 5,000, in which he actually engaged them. in. This. It's the first miracle that he engaged them in. And he had them distribute those loaves and fishes. And it was each one of those 12 disciples that brought back a full basket of leftovers. So they'd already experienced an example of, of Jesus' faith and growing in their own faith. And then right on the heels of that, it says in, in Matthew 14, 22, that Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed him, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when, the, when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Now, it is not likely that any of us in this room will ever have occasion or even maybe the inclination to walk on water, okay? But every one of us will be at times challenged to take bold steps of faith because faith is not just believing a set of doctrines or theology. Faith is about confidence in God. And the only way you gain confidence in God is by taking bold steps of faith. And so Peter's example, although probably none of us will walk on water, Peter's example gives us some steps or some understanding of what happens when you take a bold step of faith. And I want to start with this. It starts with this. Bold faith recognizes God's presence. It's got to start there because there are times and there are circumstances in our lives when we kind of wonder, God, where are you? The storms of life come up. We call them crises. Okay? It's those moments when everything seems to be in turmoil. The storm is just buffing us about, or, or maybe it's going on in our own life. We're faced with a major decision, and it's going to be a big step of faith, and there's that storm going on inside of us. But in those moments, we kind of feel like, God, where are you? And, and that's what happened with the disciples. It all starts with a storm, but Jesus doesn't seem to be with them. Now, what you need to understand is most of these guys were seasoned fishermen. They were seasoned sailors. They've been on, on the lake before. They've been in storms before. And when they say lake, it's not, we're not talking about a little lake. It's like a big, big lake. It's called the Sea of Galilee in some of the uh, translations. These guys were used to this. They had experienced this all the time. Most of them were fishermen. We don't know all of them, um, what their occupations were. The only one we know for sure was not a fisherman was Matthew. Matthew, who wrote this account, by the way. Matthew was a tax collector. And, and I know a little bit about sailors. Okay, Sailors really like to give the non-sailors a hard time, 
Okay? So as I picture this and they're out there and the storm starts, the waves start to pick up, the wind starts to pick up, I can imagine, you know, because there's no drama, I mean, right? So Matthew, who is not the fisherman, he's probably in the back of the boat, hanging off the stern, kind of, you know, turning green and doing his business. And I'm sure all the other 12, the seasoned sailors, they're just kind of giving him a hard time and laughing at him. He's going, eh, this is nothing. This is no big deal. I've been on storms with this. But as the night goes on and the storm gets bigger and bigger, all of a sudden, it's not so funny anymore. Because now they've been out there like all night long. And they're not making any progress. They're, they're going head into the wind. And they, they're straining at the oars. They, the sails are taken down. It's just way overpowering for them. And they're not making any progress. It says as the night warmed, it says the, the waves battered the boat. Some of your translations say pounded the boat. The, the word that's used there actually literally translated would be tortured. <laughs> the waves tortured the boat. It just pounded on it like this thing. This is not some nice fiberglass, you know, pleasure craft. This was an old handmade wooden boat, and it started to fall apart. And everything's coming apart. And, and these guys who are seasoned sailors and seasoned fishermen, all of a sudden, this is beyond them. And they're wondering, what are we going to do? And it's then that Jesus shows up. It says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. This has been going on all night long. They're at the point where it's not so much about getting to the other side of the lake. They're just worried about surviving at this point. And that's when Jesus shows up. And he comes to them. And here's the point. If I could paraphrase a very popular expression in our day, storms happen. (laughs) Storms happen. They do. They come into every one of our lives. And very often, God will use the storms of life to get our attention. And once Jesus has their attention, because now now they know, okay? Once he has his attention... He's not just doing a circus act here, okay? What he is doing, he is about to reveal to them something they do not yet know about him. He is about to reveal to them his power and his presence. And they think it's a ghost, and they cry out to them. And it says that Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Now, what's really important in that is between the take courage and the don't be afraid is a very important line. It's me. You're not alone. I'm with you. And you might be today in the middle of a storm. And you're hanging on. And you're not sure God's around. And it's feeling overwhelming to you. And, and, and you, have, you, you, you thought when it all started you could handle it. And now it just gets getting worse and worse and worse. And it's totally beyond you. Or you might be facing a major life decision, and, and, and it's a big step of faith for you, and you're not sure what you're going to do, and, and you're not sure how it's going to turn out because it's, there's no guarantees, there's no certainties here, but you know this is the step you need to take. Or, or maybe it's a big step of faith in being involved in a ministry or taking on something new or making a sacrifice somewhere along the line or, or trusting God with your finances, whatever it might be, but you know it's time to take a big step of faith. And the storm is raging either outside of you or inside of you. Here's what you need to hear this morning. You're not alone. It's me. I'm here with you. Take courage. Don't be afraid. It's got to start with the recognition, God's presence. 
And then, and then, bold steps of faith require some kind of action. There's going to be some kind of response that you are going to have to take. As, as, as John Ortberg puts it on, in the title of his book on the subject, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. There's going to be a point at which you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to take action. Now, Peter was a take action kind of guy, okay? He was kind of, he was, he was always, he was like the first to jump. He was the first to respond. He was always the first. He was, a, he was an action kind of guy. Today, he would be um, probably diagnosed as a type T personality. Anybody heard of type T personalities? The T stands for thrill, Okay, the adrenaline junkies, the thrill seekers, okay, the extreme sports kind of guys, the kind of people who will jump out of a perfectly good airplane, but nothing with a backpack with a sheet attached to it, okay? That's the kind of guy Peter would be. Now, most of us are not. Most of us are more like the 11. We're boat potatoes, okay? We want it to be safe and secure. Now, here's what, we don't know what the other 11 are thinking, but here's what Peter's thinking. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out to you on the water. Jesus said to him, come. Now, I was thinking about that this week. I don't know what I would have said in that situation. What would you have said? I have a feeling for most of us, what we would have said would go something along the lines of, Lord, if that's you, would you please get into the boat? Because we're kind of scared right now. We'd feel a whole lot safer if you were here with us in the boat. <laughs> Lord, if it's you, would you please calm the storm? Would you kind of keep us safe? Would you protect us? Would you kind of come here and assure us that we're going to be okay? Lord, if it's you, would you come make sure that we're, we're kept safe? That's what most of us would probably respond with. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, call me out to you. (laughs) Somewhere along the line, faith is going to require a big step. Somewhere along the line, it's going to require an action on your part. You're going to have to do something. Now, what's really important here is to understand that Peter didn't just jump out of the boat. He took a big risk, but he asked Jesus for permission first. (laughs) He said, Lord, if that's you, you call me out there. In other words, Lord, if you think it's a good idea, I'm in. See, faith isn't just about taking risks. Faith isn't just about adrenaline. Okay, Faith is a response of obedience to God. It's going to be an action in response to God's beckoning. Dale Bruner put it this way. He said, it's important to understand that Peter did not ask for a promise. That is, Lord, promise me I won't sink. But for a command. Lord, command me to come. So Jesus says, come. And Peter obeys. It says, Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. Now, here's the thing. That boat What that boat is for you and me, that represents our safety, our security. It's that thing that we have put our trust in. It's the thing that's our go-to when life storms come along. Now I want to ask you this morning, what's your boat? What's your sense of security? What's your safety? It might be your career. Might be your bank account might be your nice suburban home. It's what makes you comfortable. It's what makes you feel secure. And I think sometimes what God does when he brings storms into our lives is he wants us to understand the things that we are putting our hope and our trust in, the things we are placing our confidence in are not as dependable as we think they are. These fishermen, they knew how to handle storms. All of a sudden, this is beyond them. 
What's it going to take for you to get out of your boat? What is the challenge that God is asking you to take a big step of faith in? What would it represent for you to maybe volunteer, become part of a ministry, to use your gifts or your talents in a way that would serve God, to maybe make a sacrifice and able to help someone else in need? What would it mean for you to actually trust God with your finances? Because that's probably the biggest thing we put our trust in. See, what's that security that you have a hard time stepping away from? That's your boat. If you want to walk on water, you're going to have to get out of the boat. Now, here's the thing you need to understand with that. Bold faith takes risks accompanied by fear. <laughs> See, sometimes, again, sometimes we think if we, if we have fear, then we don't have faith. It, what, what's interesting to me in the story is what a prominent role fear plays in the whole thing. At the very beginning, it says, when the disciples saw him on the, walking on the lake, they were terrified. They're already scared about the storm. They see this ghost walking on the lake. They're terrified. And then later on, right in the middle of Peter's walking, it says that fear came upon him. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Now, here's the thing. There will always be some measure of fear when you take a step of faith. It comes with the territory because you're stepping out into the unknown. You're taking a step with no guarantees, no certainties. You don't know how it's going to turn out. If you're not afraid... There's something wrong with you. (laughs) See, fear can be a roadblock, but you can take steps of faith with your fear. It often comes with fear. And here's what often happens is that, that you take that big step of faith and you go into it and you got a little bit of fear going into it. And then all of a sudden, when it dawns on you what you've done, there's a whole second wave of fear. That's what happens with Peter. You know, he sees Jesus, hey, if it's you, Lord, call me out. Jesus said, come. He says, oh, I'm out. And he's out there and he's walking on the water. And then he realizes, what have I done? <laughs> and that's going to happen to you. I can guarantee you, you're going to take a step of faith and you're going to be a terrified of taking that first step of faith and you're going to get out there and all of a sudden what you thought was going to be hard is going to be harder than you thought and what you thought was going to be a little bit scary is going to be scarier than you thought it's like it's like it's like going your first roller coaster ride and you stand on the side and you watch this roller coaster going up and down and people scream and you go man that's a scary ride and then you finally get up the nerve and you get on the ride and you go this is scarier than i thought because it is It is. And you will have that fear. But what's going to happen is, what happened with Peter? As he starts to sink, it says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And what you need to understand about that is, what for the other 11 were just words? When Jesus said, I'm with you, it's me, don't be afraid. For the 11, those were just words. For Peter, that saved his life. (laughs) What Peter experiences, the grasp of Jesus holding him up. Over the years, the life of Northgate, we have taken some pretty bold steps of faith, and every one of them has been terrifying. When we first started, we're meeting in our living room and wondering if, and just had dreams about a church that would reach unchurched people where people could come and discover faith at their own pace. It was scared. I did, I had no guarantee of an income. I had six months of support 
promised. And that's all. I'm telling you, I was scared. When we got our first building, we, we used to tell, we haven't told these in a long time. We used to tell post office stories. And it goes back to the, we, were, we got our first building. We were going to rent the old post office downtown. We did all the renovation and we were out of money. We had carpet. We couldn't lay the carpet because it needed $1,000 to finish the job so we could open the doors and actually go public with this church. And we were out of money. We were dead broke. We'd spent everything in the renovation and we didn't have it. And I went down to the post office because we went to the, we had a post office box. We didn't have that ad- address. Went to the post office. There was a mail, a letter in there from North Carolina, and I don't know anybody in North Carolina. And inside was a letter, and the letter said, "You don't know me, but a friend of yours, who is a friend of mine, told me about this church you're planting. And God laid it on my heart to send you this." And in there was a check for a thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. And I sat in the parking lot of the post office, and I bawled my eyes out. <laughs> And we've had those kinds of experiences over and over and over again in the life of this church. When we built this first building, I tell you, we were terrified. We were taken on a project that was way beyond us, but God has provided. When we, when, three and a half years ago, when we felt God was leading us to become a more generous church and serve in the needs of our community, and we started something called the Dollar Club, we didn't do that when our bank account was on the upswing. We did it at a time when we were barely eking by. We were hoping we were going to be able to make the mortgage payment next month. But we felt that God was leading us to take a bold step of faith. So we started this thing called the Dollar Club three and a half years ago. And over the last three and a half years, we have given over $135,000 to needy families in our communities. And I was scared to death. When those big rigs rolled up on our property on Friday and it all of a sudden hit me, we are tearing into this building project. I was scared to death. <laughs> I have a friend, some of you, he was on pastoral staff with us for a while. His name's Scott Bloyer. He called it being terror sighted. I am terrified and excited at the same time. I thought that is a great word. <laughs> That is the life of faith. And you don't get to tell post office stories and you don't get to talk about walking on water. You don't get to talk about God's provision and God's intervention if you don't take them. You take them with fear left over. Fear is a part of the deal. But it shouldn't stop you from taking steps of faith. Because what you find over and over and over again when you take the big steps of faith, God is faithful and your confidence in him grows and you're able to take bigger steps of faith and see ultimately that's what this is all about bold faith results in a deeper connection with god because ultimately that's what faith is really all about a deeper connection a deeper confidence in god what god wants to do is develop in you and I a trust and confidence in him that no matter what the storms of life, he's bigger than the storms. He wants us, he he comes to partner with us in our storms. But I think he wants to do something more than that. He comes to partner with us in our storms so that we will partner with him in his work. Have you ever stopped and thought about what that was all about? What was the deal with walking on the water? I mean, was Jesus saying we should all go out and walk on the water? Well, it's just, it's just, if you think about it, it's really an odd story. What's the point of that? I think what he was doing was preparing Peter for what was ahead of him. 
Because in a couple of years, this Peter is going to be the beginning head of this fledgling new faith. That he was going to be the one to lead people to a trust in Jesus. He's the one who later wrote letters to the other churches, to people who were being persecuted by their faith and for their faith and struggling to get by and wondering if God is there, to be able to write them and say, don't give up. Don't give up. He's there. He's with you. I know it. I experienced it. In a few years, that's what he's going to be doing. Right now, he's not quite ready. He starts to sink. And Jesus pulls him up. And then he says to him these words. You of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, I don't think Jesus said that harshly. I don't think he was scolding him. I think what he was doing is what every parent does when their child is learning to walk. You know, they hold on to the coffee table and then they let go. And they take one, two steps, and then they sit down. And what does every parent do? You walked! You walked! Why'd you sit down? You were walking, you were doing it, you were doing it. Why'd you sit down? You can do this. I think that's what Jesus is saying to Peter. You did it. You were walking on water. Why'd you doubt? And the reason I think that is, because that conversation didn't take place in front of the other 11 when they got back in the boat. That conversation took place still out on the water when Jesus pulled them up. And I picture it that he just put his arm around him. He says, you were doing so well. You were walking, man. Why'd you doubt? And here's the other thing. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. How did Peter get back into the boat? I don't think Jesus dragged him through the water to get him back to the boat. It says Jesus pulled him up. And I think he put his arm around him and they walked back to the boat together. I think he walked on water a second time. And what happened was it deepened Peter's connection with Jesus. And you could say he failed. But there were 11 other bigger failures, failures who never got out of the boat. And you know what happened? It not only changed Peter, it actually changed those other 11 disciples. Because it goes on, it says, And when they had climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. See, you can take big, bold steps of faith, and you can even fail but he's not going to abandon you. He's going to pull you up. He's going to encourage you. And it's going to change your relationship with him. And you know what it's going to do? It's going to affect the relationship that other people have. And there are other, under, other people around you. It's going to affect their understanding of God. See, the other 11 guys, they watched this all unfold from the sidelines. But when they saw it all happen, and they saw what Peter did, and they saw what Jesus did, they got back in the boat. It says they all worshiped him. Sometimes I think our greatest fear is the fear of failure. And you know what? I think this lesson tells us you can even fail. And you're not going to be abandoned. And you're going to grow. 
And the people around you are going to grow in their understanding of God as well. Would you bow your heads with me? You might be facing a struggle today. You might be facing a big, major life decision, a big step of faith. You know what it is you need to do, but you're not sure you can do it. Or maybe you're battling a storm, and you're just trying to hold on. And you're wondering if you're going to get through, and you're wondering, if, where's God? You might be going through something right now that is challenging your faith, that has pushed you out of your comfort zone, out of your safety zone, and you're being asked to take a big, bold step of faith. And it's scary. Here's what you need to hear this morning. You're not alone. I'm with you. And you can take that step of faith even with your fear and know I'm not going to let you go. And if that describes you in any way, if you're facing one of those big steps of faith right now, and you're a little bit scared about it, you could just use that assurance that I'm not alone. God's with me in this. I would love to pray for you as we close. If that describes you in any way, would you just do something? Would you just raise your hand and then look up and, and catch my eye? Because I want you to know I'm praying for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yep. Yeah, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're here, and for you, it's a first step of faith. Maybe you've been living your life, doing it your own way, and it's like you're struggling against the wind, and you're realizing, I can't do this. I was never made to do this. And you've made enough mistakes, and you got enough failure to be able to say, you know, I can't do this on my own. And your mistakes and your failure, and you feel like that might disqualify you from a relationship with God. It might disqualify you from having Him in your life. Here's what you need to know. You have a God who loved you, who gave his one and only son, who gave his life on a cross so that you could be forgiven from those mistakes and those failures and that sin. And you could know his presence in your life. And you can today take a first step of faith. And it just simply means acknowledging, God, I can't do this on my own. And I failed enough to know I need your forgiveness and I need your strength. And I'm turning over my life to you. If you've never done that, but today you want to take a first step of faith, same thing, would you just raise your hand, hold it up for a moment, catch my eye, because I want to pray with you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to just invite you to make this your prayer. Lord, here I am. With my fears, with my failures, with my struggles. And for some of us, it's a first step of faith. And for others, it's just taking a new, bold step of faith. Just learning to trust you. But God, what we're doing is we're coming to you and we're admitting our failures and our mistakes and our sin and our need. And we're asking where you, we have sinned and where we need your forgiveness that you would forgive. And where we are weak, that you would show us your strength. And in the middle of whatever we're facing right now, that you would remind us of your presence. We're turning over the controls to you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California. You